I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Tuesday, April 28, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have stuff. We have stuff on the docket. The first thing that jumps off the page, which should be what jumps off the page at everybody, is what appears to be a reversal candle in the SPY. No doubt we're going to discuss this throughout the video. It's going to be, or at least the SPY where price finished and today's candle will be a focal point on the early part of the video. We'll take a look around the horn at some intraday charts, a variety of charts, to see if the charts are telling us what the next likely scenario is for the S&P. One thing we can't lose sight of is what do we have on tap? We have Kabuki Theater, which concludes Wednesday afternoon. So the Fed's going to come out with whatever they're going to say, and the market's going to do its thing. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to have its EKG moment, and then we'll go on with whatever the trend will be going forward. We can't lose sight of Kabuki Theater. Is the market likely to get very far away from where we are, where we were for the majority of today? Is it likely to get very far away from here before Kabuki Theater, right around 2 p.m. in the afternoon on Wednesday? Probably not. Can't say that for sure. Just from what normally happens using the 80-20 rule, the majority of the time, leading up to Kabuki Theater, the market kind of gets stuck in the mud, spins its wheels in the sand, or, like I like to say, gets into a chop shop formation. Let's talk about today's candle in the SPY. It is a bona fide reversal candle, but let's discuss it further. What else do we have? What else is on the chart? We have to use everything we have to find out whether or not it's a fake out, a potential fake out, a real reversal candle, or we have no idea. First order of business, and all these will be puzzle pieces within the bigger puzzle piece of whether or not it's a reversal candle. These are fractal puzzle pieces of the reversal candle puzzle piece. They're sub puzzle pieces. So we have a reversal candle. That's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. What about volume? Did we see a shift in the recent volume? Did we see institutional participation as a result of the reversal candle? Well, the first candle of the day, looking at the hourly chart, tells somewhat of a tale. Here's the hourly chart, and you can see roughly 20 million shares. It's this candle here. It's actually the blue candle, first candle of today's hourly chart. And in terms of 20 million shares in the first hour, that's up there with pretty darn good volume. So we do have to say that there was institutional selling right out of the gate. Right now, the count is like 2-0 in favor of a reversal candle and pretty good volume. Those are on the bear side, so we're 2-0 in favor of the bears. Bears are up in the count. What about the position on the chart? So price is basically, give or take, in the same position that we were yesterday, and we're really in the same position that we were in when we made this pivot high here on the 17th of April. So price came back to test those highs. 
We tried to break out today. It was, for today's activity, a failed breakout, but price remained in the same range it was yesterday, and it's also still challenging the former highs. The point here is, we may not be done with the attempted breakout yet. It's 2 and one That's on the bull side of the camp. Do I have anything else to support that concept? Sounds a little fishy. Let me hit you with something that we talk about all the time. The hourly chart, you can see prices above all the moving averages. We came into the 20 period moving average today, which is also right around the price or right around the spot, not quite yet, but north of this what's called a gap window. The low here, which is yesterday's opening range low, is 284.62. So where I'm going with this is price gapped up to this area, basically a time off the clock, went sideways to a slight grind higher yesterday. We had a gap higher today, the failure of the gap higher, the gap in crap, and what they did was essentially came back to test what? The former breakout area. Now, we don't know whether that's going to hold or not, but that is what happened. It's not really bullish or bearish as much as it is something that actually happened. It is garden variety market behavior. What turns it into something different than garden variety market behavior? Coming down to fill the gap, and the gap would be considered around 283. And guess what? If you're coming down to fill the gap at 283, What's likely to get visited once again? If they're in the neighborhood of the gap, might as well go around the corner and check in at what? 281. How do we know this is taking place? The scenario just laid out on the south side, the bear case, getting below, certainly closing hourly below 284.62, which is considered this gap window. What else is garden variety market behavior? Glad you asked. We're going to go over to inside the numbers. We're going to run through the notes and I'm going to point out maybe two or three important things that really showed up today. We're also going to take a look at stocks on the move. What is ultra important or I should say uber important from a tour guide perspective, where did the market go bad today? Where were traders A, able to stay out of trouble and then where were traders be able to make money. We'll go over that stuff. Right out of the gate, early in the morning, the market's popping up or it's gapping up, it's going to gap up. The ES or the futures contract is already at and above 2,900, the next big fat round number. And what you'll see as the notes go on, that's gonna come into play early in the morning. We're gonna use the psychological big fat round number as our bear bogey. We're comfortable being long the market, looking for more upside as long as they remain above the big fat round number. Below the big fat round number, you'll see in the notes, we start discussing where the support areas are, finally coming up with one that gave a nice trade. Let's finish up the pre-market notes. What we'll do also right now since we're here is take a look at stocks on the move. We had four opportunities on the board. Three actually hit their price objective. One is not registering correctly on this sheet here, but three hit their objective. Merck, CNC, and AU, which is a gold play. We'll take a look at the charts a little bit later on. Let's go back up in the notes and see what else we can find. Right out of the chute, we need to have an awareness. Early thoughts go on the board. You don't want to chase the market. So here's the way I say that. 
let the morning rush, short squeeze, momentum, and FOMO, fear of missing out, buyers do their thing. Then we'll let Trick and Company do their thing. And that's exactly what happened. In the frenzy, we don't know how high they can push price before running into a brick wall. And in the weekend video, we also discussed the likely scenario if they were to gap above the previous highs, you might remember, they'll go like a bat out of hell. Well, that began to happen, but it did crap out. We ended up having the gap and crap. They made it look really, really good. And we're going to go over to another chart and look at something that happened, again, happens all the time, and we get to use it as a learning opportunity. Focus on, and here in the 925, focus on 2907 and a quarter. That is an uber important number, first thing in the morning, right out of the gate. So 9.35, we've already got a beat on what it looks like and what we have to watch out for. So we know we're having the frenzy going on, and we know that 29.07 and a quarter is normal not to be above, but to stay below. Already five minutes in a trading day, we already know that information. However, what we also want to note is above the fat round number of 2900 as long as they can maintain that price, they'll end up moving higher and through 2907 and a quarter. Sounds confusing when you read it for the first time, but if you sit back and think about it, it's pretty straightforward. Getting below 2900 takes that off the table. Let's move it along. As the morning goes on, the rest is pretty apparent what happened. We did have the crap out. So once we got below 2900, what are we doing? We're looking for an area for what? A mid-morning pivot. In this case, it was going to be, because of the crap out, a mid-morning low. Let's continue moving along. So we had the shakeout, which causes us or creates the environment where we need to begin looking for that mid to late morning low. Let's keep moving along. Now, as you can see, 1021 post, we're identifying prices to watch out for. We're looking for where would be the best spot. And what do I always say? Time is more important than price. Now looking for a mid-morning low, now I've got to find the price. I've got the time, i got to find the price. And the time isn't pinpointed down to a minute or a candle. It's just a general concept of they're going to make a low. Under normal garden variety market conditions, using the 80-20 rule, they're not going to just fall out of bed and trade down all day. They're going to find a low and they're going to bounce for a while. That's the way the market works. Same thing in reverse. When they start going up in the morning for an hour, hour and a half, what are they going to do? They're going to find a mid-morning pivot, a mid-morning pivot high. They're either going to eat time off the clock or they're going to have a pullback. If you're inside the numbers, you see this day in, day out. doesn't happen every single day, but it happens the majority of the time. It's not rocket science. We'll kind of fast forward a little bit. 1051, what happens if the gap doesn't hold? The next price is SPY 285.85. You know the routine, everything to the right of the vertical trend line is today's activity. Here's a five-minute chart, and here we go. Here's 285.85. This is about 11 o'clock in the morning. The low is 285.62, and you had your bounce. Now, you didn't have your rocket ride, so that was telling us something. You did the retest. But we were aware, we had the awareness. Either you're going to get a really nice rally and not look back, or they're going to struggle. So you kind of know what kind of tape is in front of you. When was that post given out? Well, it was given out right around here. Here's the price when the post was given out, 
right around 287 and a half, give or take. So you had time to pre-prepare, moving right along. The other number that we have to keep in mind that was uber important was 287 and a quarter. You'll see it come up many, many times over and over and over again as the day went on throughout the trading day, throughout certainly the afternoon session. Stop and start the video at your leisure, read the notes, go back to the chart and see what happened. If you're active in the market during the trading day, you can use a tour guide like this. It's helpful. Remember, 287.25. Here's a 15-minute chart, and you can see the market pivot around 287.25. End of the day, couldn't hold it, gave it up, traded lower. Anything goes into the last portion of the day. There was also a long trade in the afternoon that you'll see from the notes. Closing hourly above that price would normally lead to a test of another price. It's cited in the notes. They actually didn't get all the way to the next price, but they came within pennies. They pretty much did the deal, and that was basically the conclusion for the day. Now, here's the S&P E-mini futures daily chart. Remember before I said there was something else that we're going to discuss that we discuss all the time. The market was actually doing something very typical, very garden variety, and this is one of those things that goes on the column of a ball or a strike, whether it's in the bull or the bear camp. Now, here's the way I'm going to look at it. So we have a breakdown candle right here. There was a gap, and the following day creates a big breakdown candle. The high was what? 29.07 and a quarter. Sound familiar? It should. It was inside the numbers. What do markets like to do? They like to test the highs of breakdown candles and the lows of breakup candles. So look at this. Over here on this pivot high here from the 17th, the high was 28.85. We already know about that number from yesterday and before. That's not 29.07 and a quarter, and it's not close enough. What happened today was they went up there, they tested it, they hung around for a little bit, and then they got back below. Why is that? Because on the first run, it's garden variety for them not to trade right through. But here's what also happened, and this is why it kind of belongs maybe on the bullish side of the strike zone. When you look at the daily chart, they put in a doji candle. Fine, I get that. A lot of traders will want to hang their hat on that. But were they really rejected from what seemingly should be an important area? They got through the old high for the first time. They didn't close above it. But did they really get rejected from that old high? Or did they just pull back a little bit and kind of finish the day somewhere in the same camp as they were yesterday? And that's the way I'm looking at it at present. Am I looking for a big collapse before Kabuki Theater tomorrow afternoon? What's Kabuki Theater? The Federal Reserve announcement. No, I'm not. It could happen. I'm not looking for it. The market generally gets in a chop shop formation leading up to the Fed. So all these things get thrown in the bucket. That's why we have a ledger. We have the bull side, the bear side, a strike zone. Call it whatever you want. And I'm saying after the Fed, anything goes. But you're not going to get an indication from today's close on what the Fed is going to do and certainly how the market's going to react. In fact, you're never going to get an indication of what the Fed is going to do. You're only interested in how the market's going to react by whatever the Fed says or does. Now, talk about the Fed for a second. What can they do to help the markets gain some more stability, help the markets goose it a little bit up north? Can they do anything? I don't know. It's hard to see. They've already said 
They're going to do everything. So can they say or do anything that's going to goose the market? Is everything kind of built in already? It's a good question. The market will tell us tomorrow. What's the 120-minute chart telling us? Well, the 120-minute chart also has the same breakdown candle or reversal candle, and now it's headed lower. And from a symmetrical standpoint, market symmetry looks real nice and juicy to come down and fill the gap and meet the 20-period moving average somewhat at the same time. So from a symmetrical standpoint, common sense standpoint, logic standpoint, that's what the 120-minute chart is saying. Does that really change the bigger picture? Does that turn the market bearish? No, it's just a pullback. What if they get below 281, start closing below 281 on an hourly basis, and then on a daily basis? That changes the picture for me. That's a different story. As long as they stay above 281, the market still has the gumption to go higher. What's going on over in Camp IWM? A little bit of a gap in crap today. Not quite the same as the spider. Stronger market. Finished up 1.88% against the S&P that was down one half of 1%. Does anybody know that this is my favorite market leading indicator? Stayed above the 50 period moving average. Technically speaking, nothing wrong with this market. What did it do today? What it did was it went up to the area of this breakdown candle high. Ran a test. Backed off a little bit. What is that? garden variety normal market behavior when the market does stuff that's not normal garden variety market behavior that's when we raise an eyebrow that's when we take heed for now this is normal stuff what's doing down at the transportation department stayed above its 50 period moving average it was also up one percent today against an spy that was down one half of one percent my second favorite market leading indicator a number one canary in the coal mine We've got to take notice of the IWM and the transports. And also, we have to have an awareness of what? That the market's job is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. That's the way the market works. Today was no big deal. The S&P 500 was down one half of 1%. Doesn't damage the current uptrend off the lows. Now, this market, the Q's looks a little bit different that's a different type of reversal part of the reason is is because yesterday's candle was narrow you took out everything of yesterday's candle and half of the one before it's a little bit different look it's a little bit more of an adult reversal candle however there's a caveat the cues is top heavy what's it top heavy in google amazon apple facebook netflix we know the routine Tech earnings are this week, so money was coming off the table after some tremendous gains. No big deal. Just trying to put everything in perspective, look at both sides of the tape, be the umpire. Google's a big component. They reported earnings after the closing bell. They're basically flat from where they closed yesterday. Yesterday they closed about 1270. Right now they're trading at about 1270. That's the after hours chart that shows all the data both before and after the bell. So maybe a little nerves going into Google earnings. Some money comes off the table. Cues go down a little bit along with some of the other ones that are reporting this week. That's a story. We don't know that that happened. It's an awareness. That stuff does happen. It's called sector rotation. It's called taking profit. Let's take a look at these stocks on the move. 
We'll look at the three that hit their price objectives. We're always going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. So here's what we've got. First, we've got Anglo Gold. Number on the board, $25.27. Posted long before the opening bell. Here's this candle here at 10.05, making a low of 25.24. And then you can see what happened. Here's the high of 25.65. Not a tremendous trade. Came back down, went higher later. Not exactly what we're looking for. Didn't get the rocket ride, but you can see the importance of the number. And guess what? Produced profit any way you want to look at it. That's a positive trade. Let's move on. How about Merck? Two numbers up on the board, 81.62 and 80.41. So guess what? It opened below the first number. So what do we do with the first number? We throw it away. Then what do we do? We look to the second number. What happened? Went right to the second number. Here's the low, making a low of $80.17. The rest is history. Guess what? Look where it found resistance on the way back up. Where? 81.62. Why is that? Support becomes resistance. Resistance becomes support. Important numbers are both. Another positive trade. If you just followed the rules, paint by numbers, throw the first target out, enter the second target, what happened? You had a nice trade on your hands. CNC, Centene. This one wasn't so easy. Getting a haircut at the open, and guess what? The stock didn't spend time going on a rocket ride after it hit the first number. What it did was it put in a bearish pattern. What does that produce? The bear flaggish wedgish pattern. What do they produce? They produce a continuation move to the downside. To where? The second number. Even below the second number. Let's point something else out. Stops are there for a reason. They're not an arbitrary number. I'm not looking for a risk-reward ratio, R colon R. I don't need any of that nonsense. The stops are at a number that the market shouldn't close hourly below, period, full stop. So in this case, the stop on CNC was listed at 66. What was the low? The low was 65.15. Is that a stop out? No, it's not. So where was the hourly close? 10.30, the closing price was $66.24 against the stop on an hourly close of 66. What was the 11.30 close? 67.45. Never closed below on an hourly close. That's a winning trade. How does this trade work? You take half the position at the first price, half the position at the second price, your average cost is in the middle, you have a winning trade on your hands. Not a tremendous trade, not a rocket ride, but a winning trade. It's paint by numbers. How about the XLF? What can we draw from this chart today? Couple of things. Went up to challenge the former high, which this chart hadn't done yet, and the 50-period moving average. So is it a wonder that it pulled back from the high, the morning high? No, it's no wonder. 50-period moving average, former highs, it's garden variety, ETF or market behavior. How about Smash Mouth? Got above the 100 period moving average. Talked about this one yesterday. Crapped out, closed below. Can we read anything into it? Are we expecting a collapse below all the moving averages first thing in the morning? Could happen, but we're not expecting that. Could we expect more of a pullback? Well, if the spider is going to 281 or even that gap we discussed, yeah, we'll have a pullback in everything across the board. 
Rising tide lifts all boats, and when the tide goes out, you see who has no clothes. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That, my friends, is true and accurate information. I'm going to pull the ripcord here. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.